To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Conspiracy theories are funny because conspiracies are actually true. Oh, I love conspiracy theories. There's like so many out there that the um, moon landing didn't happen. I've read a lot about the moon landing being baked in a Hollywood basement. I don't believe it. The biggest one is the Illuminati. It has to be Illuminati. I don't like any conspiracy theories. That Donald Trump is a reptile. The, the Queen's a lizard. That's a dumb one I heard. The royal family being lizard, I think that's an interesting one. Maybe watch The Crown. <laughs> it explains a lot of the stuff that goes on underneath. That Monsters Inc. and Cars happen in the same universe. Ridiculous. I don't know whether like companies like Apple, Amazon and Facebook are working with government. Nonsense. But there have been like way too many times that I've mentioned something and I've seen it on my phone. I think the best one is one where you're not quite sure if it's a conspiracy or not. So is Russia plotting to use the internet to take over? democratic politics. So the earth being flat. Oh my. <laughs> it came from uh, maybe spending too much time on YouTube, to be honest with you, to the point I got quite convinced that maybe it is flat. As a social scientist, I'm naturally very skeptical. But I have been on quite a few, um, a few flights in the last few months where I can kind of see the earth going round in the distance, so it might not be true. I mean, the, the unfolding of the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. It's probably surrounding uh, Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. I think there are some weird things going on there about the people that killed them and the years that they were killed. Tupac and Kurt Cobain, they're just living in the Caribbean somewhere, enjoying a drink. Denver, Denver International Airport. Hmm, well, that's a good one. Buildings are all in the shape of a swastika, and there's a massive blue horse outside, they call Blucifer, um, and the head fell off and killed the artist halfway through. Is there any conspiracy theory you've kind of subscribed to or thought could be? None at all, I'm a social scientist. There are conspiracy theories that in time have, you know, proven to be true, like the leaks of the Panama Papers. I think it's the one where Avril Lavigne actually died in a car crash, and she's been substituted by a clone. Merriam-Webster defines conspiracy theory as a theory that explains an event or set of circumstances as a result of a secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. I'm going to 
going to say that last part again. The secret plot by usually powerful conspirators. Could this be true? And if it is true, then why? Better yet, who? Who are these powerful conspirators? Let's go deep. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hidden Gateway Podcast. I am your host, Justin Williams, and our host, our guest today is Charlie Robinson. Charlie is the author of the book, The Octopus of Global Control. Charlie and I are going to talk about a lot of interesting things today. We're going to touch on the Illuminati, New World Order, the Deep State, the Great Reset. Got some questions for Charlie regarding Project Bluebeam. Little alien talk in there. Love it. Little MK Ultra predictive programming, false flag operations. A lot of good stuff today. Charlie, my friend, what's up, sir? What's going on, man? I could talk about this stuff all day long. I love it. It's so fascinating. You know, what's funny is that I was, uh, I got invited to speak at Anarcapulco, which is this big anarchist convention in Acapulco, Mexico. It helps when you write a book with the guy that owns it. So I, I wrote a book with Jeff Berwick, but I wound up. You know, I was a speaker and and it's like a six day event. Well, the four days for an Arcapulco and two days for Dollar Vigilante and they have all these speakers come in and you're all at this one big like resort hotel. And I went, um, you know, the first night I went and or the first day I, I gave my presentation and I was done. I said like days to to watch other people. And the thing that was so great about it was that at night I could find myself, you know, like how we're doing this podcast where it's just two guys talking about crazy stuff. I found myself in like the the central bar at the resort, you know, where everyone kind of met in these like it was like a live version of a podcast. It was like me and like Ole Damagard sitting there till 2:30 in the morning talking about false flags. Ta- I'm having this guy who is the guy on false flags. I've been watching his videos, I've been, you know, I mean I I knew I knew all kinds of stuff because of him. And we're sitting in this bar having a uh, a conversation about false flags with him and Jason Goodman from Crowdsource the Truth and Mark Devlin from the UK and all these guys. And I was just sitting there going, where could I get this? I couldn't get this anywhere else. Maybe on YouTube, but it wouldn't be personal, you know? It would just be, but to have this, to, to be able to sit around and talk about false flags and, and, and MK Ultra and, and, Project Blue Beam and all that stuff. Like I was sitting in a bar where, like, if I just if it was like speed dating, where you're going table to table <laughs> to table, I'd be like David Ike's over at that table. Ron Paul's having dinner at that restaurant, not there, but the one right behind it. I just saw him. I just walked right by. I mean, it was crazy. So, <laughs> wow, so, man. so for us, this is going to be this. This to me is kind of like we're going to go grab a table at that bar at, at an Arcapulco at night. And we're going to talk about some craziness. So I'm excited to do it. And I'm really grateful that you had me on. So let's get, let's get crazy. Awesome, man. Funny you mentioned uh, Jeff Berwick, man. I've actually been following Jeff on YouTube probably for the last two, maybe three years. So I got into Bitcoin a few years ago, right? Oh, good for and, you. Yeah. And, and saw him. I just was doing some research and saw he was talking about it. And then I saw that he was talking about some other interesting stuff. So I said, wow, okay, let me, let me kind of 
latch on to this guy. Very interesting. And I know he lives in Mexico. And I saw his, when he got married, his wife, I saw all that stuff, his little film. So very, seems like a very cool guy. Haven't, haven't uh, watched any of his videos in a minute. The last one that comes to mind was, uh, I think when he went to Epstein Island, he was running around that island, man. And <laughs> it was kind of hilarious. I get uh, an email from him uh-huh. out of the blue. And it says, we've done something I can't talk about, but we've done something. You might want to go to YouTube and watch. I'm going to put a video up in 20 minutes. Watch it. And I'm like, for 20 minutes, I mean, I I can only imagine when Jeff Berwick, who is, he's a crazy person. He's, he's, but in, in the best possible way. So like when people, when people tell Jeff Berwick, oh, you like anarchy so much? Go to, why don't you go to Somalia then? He does. He gets, he gets a buddy Luke and they go to Somalia and they film in there and do all that stuff. They say, well, you let, or you talk about uh, currency and hyperinflation. If you, if you, you've never experienced hyperinflation, go to Venezuela, experience that. So he's like, you're right. I haven't. So he goes to Venezuela, of course, with Luke as well. And they get in into the middle of a currency collapse. They're there when it's happening. So it's not a surprise that when he's out on a boat with Luke, they're going to do something horrible or, or, you know, we've done something questionable. And then I see this video of him getting off at Epstein and I just, I was like, Oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's somehow fitting, you know, he, he's just, um, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy because he's a Canadian who started a financial services company in Canada, took it public watched it crash when the uh dot com bust happened even though he wasn't really a dot com guy it, it was it was you know it just took everything down he had uh, say his company became like almost worthless he i guess cashed out whatever he had left bought a sailboat decided he was going to cruise that around the world crashed it in mexico wound up staying there met a mexican girl married her he's been in mexico in acapulco now for 10 years so when he you know we have this conversation one day and he says you know we should write a book together i was like okay so we we, that was the summer of 2018 when we started talking about that and i started writing it right away and then we we thought we were going to put it out in i wanted to put it out in february of 2020 because we had his big conference in Arcapulco. It seemed like a good time, a good place. We're going to release, you know, all that stuff. Except the problem is Jeff wasn't done with his part. He still had stuff he wanted to work on. So we weren't done. So I was like, dang, it's going to, you know, how long is it going to take for we get this book out? Well, then three weeks later, the whole Corona situation happened. And I was like, okay, maybe we should hold off on this book until we see how this Corona situation plays out. And then let's reevaluate. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. So we, we gave it a couple of months we saw, I said, then I sent him an email. I said, I think I've seen enough to start writing. He says, yeah, yeah, me too. So, so we both started writing a little bit more. We finished up the book and put it out the Friday before election day. And so it, my, my big frustration had been, oh man, if only we could get this book out earlier, it would be, you know, more relevant. Well, it was, let me tell you, if I, if we'd put it out when I wanted to put it out, it would have been less relevant because immediately afterwards was the Corona situation. So I'm really glad that, that Jeff was delayed on his end because it wound up meaning that we waited to see how this whole, basically like three quarters of 2020 turned out and then, uh, infused that part throughout the book. So it wound up becoming more relevant. The book is called the controlled demolition of the American empire. 
and it became uh, ironically a number one bestseller on election day of all things. <laughs> the, the irony being that if you read the book, you'll never vote again, you know? So, you know, sometimes, you know, the universe has a strange way of, of, of working with the timing and everything. So where I, where I thought that we had really blown it, it turned out that our, our timing was great. So, so that's kind of where we, that's where we, we were the tail end of, of 2020 was, um, you know, trying to put a book out and to see how, you know, if we could wake people up and then having the, you know, the cover of the book, this image of it's the, it's the image of building seven, but it's, I had it done where the building is wrapped in an American flag and it looks like it's on its way coming down and there's all this debris. So it, you sort of just take one quick look at it. In fact, let me grab it really fast. Sure. Here's the visual of it. You, you take one look at it and you realize, okay, this 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 shows that the um, I, I you know I can get it in just one second. I can see that America is coming down. And so when we put when we put that out, you know, the tail end of October, um, we didn't have to really get into a deep explanation with, with people about like, oh, you know, well, here's what we see. We envision this, this, and that. we just show them the book and they go. Oh yeah, it's all coming down, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. but we, we, of course the book is detailed. It's 400 pages long. It has 250 footnotes in it. I mean, we go into some, de- in, into some detail and this was, and what this book started out of the conversation you and I are going to have about the octopus of global control. I was on, that's the first book I wrote. I was on Jeff's um, podcast, uh, the Anarchast, and uh, I was explaining it to him. And when we got done recording, he was like, man, I want to write a book. Like we should do something together. So that's kind of how it went wound up that's how it wound up coming uh together so we, we that's that's where um it all kind of sprouts from this octopus concept wow. that, nice. that i didn't nice. invent but i wrote a book about it and um and that that turned out to be this book that people have described as being sort of like I've heard it called the conspiracy Bible, though I don't know if that's maybe the best term for it. I've heard people call it like a conspiracy uh, encyclopedia. Well, that's maybe a little less biblical. <laughs> maybe that fits a little better, but but it's just a collection of uh, of uh, uh, you know of topics punctuated with quotes. You know, and this 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 way I I I, I came up with this idea. I came up with this idea after getting my ass handed to me in a debate. Um, wasn't really much of a debate. It was me talking about 9-11 at Thanksgiving dinner, which is a really dumb idea. Oh, <laughs> and watching the, the table just turn on oh. me. And rightly so, by the way. You know, I mean, I didn't, okay. I didn't have my act together. I didn't have my conversation together. I didn't have, I, this was like 2006 or something, you know. I shouldn't have had this conversation. But what it taught me was that the people at the table that were listening to me didn't view me as a source of authority on any of these topics uh, because I wasn't. And and so what I felt was, well, you don't you don't trust me or you don't believe me or you don't think I have any authority and that's fine. But but what if I were to so don't take my word for it. What if I were to tell you with regard to something like the New World Order and all this stuff? What if I were to tell you that? I'm not the one 
calling them the New World Order. George H.W. Bush called them the New World Order over 200 times while in his four years in office. If I were to show you all these quotes from him talking about it or the Pope calling for it or the Queen talking about, you know, all of these people, these a variety of people from all around the world, would it be more real to you if I wasn't saying it, but if you heard, if you knew that they were the ones saying it? And of course the answer is, well, yeah, 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 of course it'd be more real. So that sort of made me feel like what I wanted to do in, in the, in the first book, in the place of footnotes, I wanted to have quotes. I wanted you to hear it from, I wanted you to hear what Hillary Clinton was saying about certain things. I wanted you to hear what David Rockefeller was talking. I wanted you to hear the plan. And, and, and people would go, you know, if you say to them, like, these guys have this group called the New World Order, and it's a bunch of these really wealthy, powerful, connected people that are that network together and they want to take over the world. The first time you hear that, everyone's like, get out of here. I mean, that's crazy. Stop that. And you're like, no, no, no. There's there's something to this. And here is their here's here's them saying it. Here's them them talking about this. Um and and I felt like if I was able to to, to take myself as, as much out of the book as possible and make it more about me telling, you know, explaining how these things work and then punctuating it with these quotes, that it would make it a little bit more real. And that's why I think people have connected with it because they can go through it and they can, they can read, you know, that, that I'm, that I'm, you know, I'm talking about David Rockefeller saying, you know, the, I'm, I'm saying David Rockefeller and the, United Nations has a plan for one world government. And it's easy to dismiss that until you get to the next paragraph, which is David Rockefeller in his autobiography talking about how they're trying to put together a one world government. And you're like, okay, well now where do you want to go with that? Like you can tell me I'm crazy all day long, but here is him. I've got the guy saying it in his own autobiography. So unless he was misquoted, like Charles Barkley claims he was in his own autobiography, like we've got a problem here. We got a guy saying it in his autobiography and it's printed in the book and I can go buy it at a bookstore and I can show you. So am I crazy or is there something to it? You know? And so that was my, that was how the book, the first, that's how the octopus book came, came about. It came about because I decided to do a, an impromptu presentation at Thanksgiving dinner and everybody hated me for it. <laughs> wow. So was, was nine 11, what, what was your trigger, right? Where they kind of awakened you to say, Hey, everything is not as it seems we're, we're being lied to something's fishy going on here. What, what was it? Well, it was nine 11 in general, okay. um, but it was building seven in particular. And that's part of, you know, when you see this cover, this is Building Seven wrapped up. And for those that are that don't know, there were towers one and two, the twin towers, and then there was a, another tower, Building Seven, which is a forty-seven story steel uh, and uh, steel and glass uh, high-rise building that came down in a controlled demolition on the day of September eleventh, just at, at you know a couple out at five thirty that afternoon. So um, you know when when you see something like that and you go. Uh, well, first of all, you don't see something like that on your (coughs) news. You don't see building seven. You see the twin towers. You see that hundreds of times, like a snuff film, you know, like to the point where you're like, I get it. I get it. I know how this is going to end. You're going to show the plane and then a fireball and all that stuff. That's, 
you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but that's part of this psychological softening up of people. It's a part of an operation, you know, to show this, this trauma. And, um, so you see that and then you find out years later, or maybe you never find out, but I, in my case, I found out years later that, um, there was a, there were other buildings on nine 11 that came down. There was building six and there's tower seven, but tower seven is just, it's on camera coming down. It's perfectly symmetrical at free fall speed. So you just look at that and you don't even have to really, um, you don't really even have to say much. You just go, hi person that has never seen this before. Please explain to me this. And, and, and another thing that, that kind of did that for me as well was seeing, uh, you know, I'm not a structural engineer. I'm not an architect. I'm not an engineer. I, I'm not, I'm none of those things. And, and, but when I watch a video of Danny Joanko, a, a, a Dutch demolitions expert, or at least he was a Dutch, uh, he's, he's no longer alive, but he's, there's a video of him sitting in front of a computer watching building seven coming down. So there's like a camera here on him watching his computer and he watches the building come down and he, and he's in the demolition business and he's going, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's a, um, you know, that's a controlled demolition. What is, what is the, what is the question really? And this is all getting translated and they're saying, well, this, this was on nine 11. And he says, well, where are nine 11? What was the world trade centers buildings? This is world trade center seven. This was five thirty, five twenty-five in the afternoon of that same day. And the look on his face where he's trying to process it and he keeps asking questions. He keeps asking the same guy. Are you sure this was nine 11? Yes. The same day. Yeah. Uh, it, at the same place. And they're like, yeah. And he's trying to wrap his head. He got, he said, it's, it's a controlled demolition. It's what it is. Um, you know, that's a guy that would know. That's a guy that was like four generations of his family he was in the demolition business. And by the way, he was he, he died a week after that that video too. And in he died a week after the video. Hit a car. Uh, his, his car hit a tree. Hit a tree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it might be legit. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I just know that he he died right after that. And so, I it just it just always seemed like okay. So it, nobody's nobody can explain this building that came down. Nobody in the media wants to even discuss it. They don't even want to pretend like it even happened. So they're just acting like it's not there. And 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 I just like a lot of people, I just wanted to find out. You know, I mean, I feel personally insulted like they're lying to us about things and I I want to I want to take it and and figure it out. So 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 building 7 is what did it for me. Um it just, you know, and the, and the and what's f- funny and boy, you know, it's strange how the universe works is that I write a chapter in that book called Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth. And the name of that chapter is based on the organization of the same name which is headed by Richard Gage who is an architect um has been for over you know, I think 25 or 30 years in in was in the Bay Area. And I really liked his work and I was very, um, you know, uh, supportive of, of his work. I go to a wedding about a, a little over a year ago, friend's wedding. I, I, I know the bride and groom don't know anybody else at the wedding. It's out of state. I go there all by myself. I'm just hoping, you know, to show support to them. I get seated at my, at this 
random wedding right next to Richard Gage. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that echo, cool. I wrote about you in my book. He goes, oh, really? I said, I don't think you understand. I literally wrote a chapter called Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. And so we wound up in a conversation at a wedding for hours talking about thermite and thermate, nanothermite, structural thing. Yeah, I mean, and to have this guy who's who's this expert on it, who started this at the time, I, I mean, I think they've got over 3,300 architects and engineers that are officially licensed and working in the field that have signed on that the official story of 9-11 is, is a scientific and mathematical and physical impossibility. It just simply could not happen the way they explained it. It, it is wow. it is no longer a matter of opinion. It is backed up by facts. And so to, to just see sometimes like how the universe, I don't know, I'm not super religious, but I do have to stand in awe of, of how the whole thing works together to just go to some random wedding in w- the state of Washington and get seated next to the guy that can fill in a lot of blanks for you just blew my mind. And so, and we, and, and he and I have been, have stayed friends from that point on. And I've had him on my show and I've, and I got him to, I, I said, you need to speak at an Arcapulco. And then like several months after that, he's at, he's in Mexico. We're having the same conversation at a bar in Mexico. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're here. He's like, I know. And so, so the universe kind of working its way out, I guess. I don't know. But um, but that, you know, that's just one of those things. I can't reconcile Building 7. If somebody from the government or somebody from the media or somebody could come in and say, oh, well, here's an explanation and it made sense. All right, fine. I'd be open to it. I'm open to all sorts of things. But nobody has ever given us an answer that even remotely answers, you know, fills in the the gaps. The guy from NIST tried to, he used the flawed, um, you know, he he used the flawed uh, simulation model. And Richard Gage partnered up with um, University of Alaska Fairbanks and and they spent four years building out a, a computer model that showed that NIST model was was flawed. They showed where it was flawed. They showed how it was flawed and they showed what it really looks at what building seven really looked like. And they showed that it was because all the columns were blown out simultaneously. And the only way that that happens is through a controlled demolition. So the question is if that building came down because it was rigged with explosives, then they all came down because they were rigged with explosives. And if that's what happened, we have questions, you know, we have a problem because the war on terror generated from that moment there. And if this wasn't the war on terror committed by 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters, which I don't know too many people that believe that story any longer, but, but if it's, if it wasn't done that way, then how, then what did happen? And, you know, I think we deserve some answers. So, so that's, that's, you know, once you once you tackle nine eleven, it's like it's a rabbit hole, and you wind up oh, going in a in a variety of different ways. And I don't and I don't want to, I don't want to pretend to know every last detail of the nine eleven thing either. I mean, it's still open to debate. I mean, there's a lot of people that say, "Wow, well, it wasn't, it wasn't you know dynamite because dynamite won't do it. It was nanothermite." And then there's other people who say, "Well, it was directed energy." And then some people say, "Well, it was a combination of both." And it's like, look, I don't know. Okay, I'm not a scientist. But I think that we can all agree that the official story is not true, that it was a lie, a very well choreographed lie. And if that is the case, which it is, then that means that there was advanced knowledge. There was media uh, complicity in this. There was governmental complicity in on the United States' part. 
and probably foreign actors as, as well, which there were. So we've got a much bigger question going on. And I think it's, um, you know, that's the sort of stuff that will start you down a path and you'll just never be able to, uh, to give up on it. I think you probably know what I'm talking. I mean, I think you probably know how I feel about stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is definitely, uh, maybe the infinite path, right? Mm-hmm. Just to even try to go down there. So you, you talk about 33,000 some odd engineers that signed off saying 3,300, 3,300, I'm sorry, 3,300 engineers signed off saying there's no way that those buildings could have came down. As they said, we're showing these images even to this day of the towers falling right every year on nine 11, yep. first two, three years, we see it literally every, every other day or whatever it was. What is preventing the world from getting answers? What is it? Obviously, the media plays a huge part, right? Yeah. They're like, uh, I mean, so the media, as far as I know, the media is owned by, every single media outlet is owned by six, what is it, six companies, corporations. Yeah. So it's a lot of control there. Yeah. What needs to be done? Like, who? how can we help hold someone accountable for this? If, yeah, I don't even know if that's possible, man. I mean, it can't be possible. But It's a good question because, like, how, that's the problem is when it's an institutional type thing putting your finger on, on, on one person to blame is difficult to do. Um, it always feels a bit unfair. You you get, you go, Oh, it seems like they're singling out some dude way down on the totem pole and saying it's all his fault, you know, (laughs) where the powerful people get off, get away with it. But it's it. The reason why we can't get clarity on this is because of this massive octopus that I wrote about. It's this, it's the, the, the vested interest of the people that are in positions of power here. They have control of the media. They have control of the banks. They have control of the universities. They have people in positions of power all over the place. It's difficult to get a handle on, on, on what's actually happening. We've become so dependent on, on our media, our mainstream media for, to, to sort out what's happening. I mean, if, if you hear today, there's been a bomb um, at the Capitol, let's just say. The first thing you're going to probably do is turn on your TV to see what's going on. So see somebody live there. I mean, I think now maybe some people will turn on their computers, but but you're going you're gonna to try and gather some information. And, and usually, and, and, and the way it's been for a long, long time has been that you go towards the mainstream medium. And that is um, a trap. Because they're, they're, they're not there to, they have no obligation to tell you the truth. They have, uh, in the United States government, legalized propaganda to be used inside the government through the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012, which happened uh, during the Obama administration. They changed the law and made it legal for them to lie to us, to use propaganda. So, so they've legalized it. But I mean, let's be honest, they were using it against us before. It's not like in 20, 2012, like all of a sudden they decided to start lying to us. They've been lying to us forever, but but they took the extraordinary step of legalizing it for, of course, the intention of using it. So, so we know we're getting lied to. We know it. It doesn't get labeled. We don't really know... Um, you know, how much of our news currently is, is propaganda and how much of it is truth. You know, it's got to have some truth in it or else you, you wouldn't believe any of it. So they, it's finding out what that 
percentage makeup of, of bullshit is it, but it's in there for sure. And so, so, um, you know, the reason why we, we can't get a handle on, on nine 11 or, or these, these major stories is because, um, the government uh, crafts a narrative early on, they give it to the media. They work in, in concert with the media to make sure that a certain thing is, is, is delivered. A message is delivered. It happens early on in these events, like in nine 11, uh, the morning of you had Paul L Paul Bremer who wound up later becoming the Iraq, uh, rebuild the chief of rebuilding of Iraq, which is crazy. Cause he's a finance guy. Um, from wall street, but, but he, he was, he immediately went on NBC and started talking about, um, Osama bin Laden being responsible for it. He was this terrorism expert guy, L Paul Bremer. Well, that wasn't accidental. They had Ehud Barak sitting in a studio in, uh, in the UK ready to pin, you know, point the finger at, um, at Osama bin Laden. You had George HW Bush, the president's father, having a business meeting in Washington, D.C. on the morning of September 11th, 2001, in Washington, D.C., having a business meeting with Osama bin Laden's father on behalf of the Carlyle Group. Now, you tell me what the statistical possibility probabilities are of something like that happening. The father of the president is having a business meeting with the father of the terrorist in Washington, D.C. at the moment that the events are happening. I mean, it's a, it's a statistical impossibility that something like that would organically be happening. So there is a level of manipulation that is happening, and in it, and when you first come to when you first come face to face with it, it seems so massive and so impossible that this could be that somebody could manage and coordinate this whole thing, this whole elaborate lie. But what you find is that it happened. It, 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 it's very real. The, and, and, and when you consolidate all this power, like, like the way you talked about how, how the media companies went from like, you know, they went from 50 down to six of them. That's not accidental. That's done by design because it's very helpful. Uh, Bill Clinton deregulated that allowed that to happen. And, um, so instead of needing, so let's, let's, let's say we're going to conduct a nine 11 type, uh, false flag attack, and we're going to need the media involved in this. We're going to need everybody to be on the same page. It's much easier to control the heads of six major media companies than it is to control the heads of 50. So the consolidation works well in that way. Um, fewer people to control fewer people to have blackmail evidence on and bribe. And if there's one thing that normie, normie people that aren't into this stuff have learned over the last two years is that blackmail evidence, like the sorts of, uh, rings that Jeffrey Epstein was involved in happen. They're real. They're happening all the time. And in fact, you know, go take a look, go go look back through the last 25 years or so at some of these unusual head scratching decisions that some of the politicians in your country have made and think back in that. And now take a look at that through the lens of, I wonder if this guy was getting blackmailed by somebody because a lot of those things start to make a whole lot more sense when you go, Oh, like in the UK, Ted Heath, 
the prime minister back in the 70s. He was involved in the 70s and 80s and the, the precursor to the EU, which was the EEC and it later became the EU. He gave away all so much of the UK's fishing rights. And everyone was like, why did he do this? This is such a shitty deal for us. I can't understand why you would give away, you know, they had like 77% of the fish of the rights to the fishing in that in the area. And after he got done with the deal, they only had 22%. And everyone was like, this is the worst deal ever. Well, it turns out he's a notorious pedophile who was oh. strangling children on his boat and throwing them overboard. And the Germans knew this and had the goods on him. So they were manipulating him into giving up all these concessions. When they're putting together the, the precursor to the EU, it helps when you know that the guy you're negotiating against is a notorious pedophile child murderer and you've got the evidence on him. Guess what? <laughs> you can make the deal a lot better for you. So it's like the first step in trying to understand all this stuff is to, is acknowledging and like coming to this realization that tactics like that exist. Like people like that are out there, bad guys, people out there that don't have a problem blackmailing bad guys are out there and that at the highest levels of government and big business, this happens. Like corporate espionage and shit like this. You you think Epstein was just recording politicians down there? He was getting the heads of some really large corporations on film too. Oh, so good. I mean this stuff has value and this is how it works. And and so, you know, when when you and I are talking about this or, you know, you just just we're just normal people trying to analyze this stuff, we're at such a disadvantage because we're like good, normal, decent people that aren't, you know, thinking up schemes like this. So we, we mistakenly sort of extrapolate that because we wouldn't do this, that nobody would do this, you know, it's just awful, you know, sure. but, but there are people that will do this and this is in, in these sorts of things happen a lot in, in, in big business and in big government. So, so we, that's the downside of getting into this sort of into these topics is that you, you have to come to an understanding that there are some really awful people out there and they are doing things. Um, they're doing unspeakable things because they're psychopathic and they don't have these lines in the sand like we have. And so they don't, they don't worry about crossing them. So running you know, sex trafficking operations using underage girls to lure people like Jeffrey Epstein was doing. We look at that and go, no, thank you. Not interested in participating, not interested in running one of those things. I don't want, you know, I would never think to do that. But clearly these things go on. They've been going on for a long, long time. So, so that, that's something that, you know, that I think that as people start to transition into understanding these sorts of topics, unfortunately it comes with this sort of dark component of it, which is you have to, you have to also recognize that some of the people involved in this are really, really awful. And, um, and you're going to hear about things or you're going to read stories about how things got done that are going to make you sick, you know? And, 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 and so I get it why a lot of people that write about these things or talk about these things just want to escape it sometimes because it's so dark and, and so heavy, but it's like, I kind of feel 
I kind of feel like a do like an obligation to talk about right. it, though, because like if we are not aware, you know, it, look, now we're aware that there's guys like Epstein out there running child sex trafficking operations and picking up girls out of high schools and having other girls, you know, go, you know, use them to to lure and, and recruit these other girls. So now, look, horrible thing. You wish it didn't happen, but now the general public is aware of it. Guess what? If somebody's daughter, you know, has a has a friend over, and you go, God, that that friend is talking about recruiting people for massage. That sounds like an Epstein type thing. I wonder if there's something to it. So maybe what good came out of this is that now the general public understands about these blackmail operate. You know, there are these perverts out there that do stuff like this. Maybe they don't understand like the whole spy aspect to it, but they just you know, this becomes a reality in their head. So, so maybe it doesn't happen anymore. So maybe this is, is a good thing that we're, we're talking about it because by becoming aware of it, we make it harder for it to operate it, you know, how it has been for, for the years and years. And years. I mean, look, everybody knew what Epstein was doing. Yeah. Even the feds, especially right. the feds. And right. so these things are allowed to operate and allowed to happen. So it's, it's, um, it's been a wake up call for a lot of people to, to just how bad things can be in, inside your government. You know, speaking of Epstein, your thoughts, is he dead? It sure seemed like some shady business going on with the whole hanging in the cell and yeah. going off and guards falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I tell you what, early, my, my first thought was he's alive and they snuck him out of there. And I had that as my first thought for about the first, I don't know, the first couple of days until I talked to uh, Sean Atwood in the UK. He's got a great show um, and he's a guy that is, um, he's a convicted uh, drug trafficker. He he did time in in, in Maricopa County, Arizona. He, he, he did six years in, in Arizona. He's a British guy, but he did six years and for ecstasy, uh, trafficking. And while he was in there, wrote a, wrote a book, a couple books, he wrote the book American made, you know, like the Tom Cruise movie and everything. He, he, so I talked to him about this right after the, right after Epstein died and he changed my mind on it. And I'll tell you why he changed my mind. Um, he changed my mind to, he well, first of all, nobody believes that he hung himself. All right, we'll just get that out of the way. So the 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 choice was: is he dead from somebody going in there and murdering him, or is he did he get snuck out of there? And my, my and I went with snuck out of there, not because I think that's feasible, but because if ever there was a guy that you maybe could do it for, it would be a guy with that much information. So so gotcha. in my head, it was it was possible only because of who he was and the information he had. But Sean changed my my thinking and, and, and convinced me that Epstein is dead. And the reason he did is because Sean was housed with a mafia boss in his time in prison in uh, a guy named Two Tonys, who was there on like a triple life sentence for murders you know what i mean he this dude was running a mafia a component of the mafia like knew his stuff and he said no 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 sean said to me he's dead and the reason why he's dead is because when you get caught when you get arrested and you get put in a cell and they think you're talking nobody's coming 
for them to get him out, to spring him out of this prison cell would be to send a message to everybody else in that organization that if you get pinched, we'll come bail you out. Yeah, we'll get your face redone and put you on an island somewhere. And he said that would be the wrong message for them to be sending. The message that they want sent and they want everyone to be crystal clear about that that's working in these intelligence backed operations is if you get caught and you talk, you're dead, period, end of story. So I thought about it and I just, and I, and I have gone off. So I, I now am of the opinion that Epstein is dead from being murdered uh, as opposed to being alive and smuggled out of there. Though I do, um, I do acknowledge that if ever there was a guy that could get smuggled out, um, that would have the motive and opportunity and the resources to make it happen. It would be a guy like that, that has intelligence ties, that has a shitload of money and, uh, and New York deep New York connections in that, in that socialite slash government circle. He he'd be, he'd be one of the few guys that could pull it off. But I, I just don't, I just don't, I don't think he did. So he probably took him out cause he was too much of a risk. Huh? That's what it sounds. Yeah. Why, 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 like why leave him why leave that loose end untied you know what i mean like what do you you don't care about him just whack him you know i mean i mean that's how that's how they would think this would be that's a that's an unnecessary risk to leave that guy out there talking i guess what happened to the madam i remember she got arrested she was arrested what last summer 2020 and we heard about that for a good week and then radio silence nothing yeah Nobody's seen a booking photo. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. She's Crazy. been awfully quiet. Nobody, nobody has has a visual of her. I mean, she. Look, I, I, I am of the belief that. Uh, I mean, I know who. I know who her father was. I know uh, she's she's tied in. She's got uh, big time connections. She was um, every every bit. As, as important to that operation as Epstein was, you know, maybe even, maybe even a notch above him, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, one, not one notch above Jeffrey Epstein and one notch below, uh, Les Wexner. But, um, but those, the, she, she's, uh, she's very dangerous. You know, she it, don't let her, you know, socialite looks fool you. She's a, uh, a serial, uh, pedophile rapist, psychopath and uh a lot of these people are and 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 you know and then and you see them turning up you see them all buddy buddy with each other like Mm. prince andrew who obviously has connections to jeffrey epstein and 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 the and and his family early on had connections to jimmy savile who was a notorious pedophile as well as well running entrapment operations you have um Prince Andrew, once again, having ties to Peter Nygaard, who is uh, a, a Canadian uh, Finnish tycoon who is in custody on trafficking. Uh, and I'm set to talk to Sean Atwood about this tomorrow morning. So I was just, I'm all Peter Nygaard it up. So <laughs> uh, this, this, there's a pattern. 
yeah. pattern happening. There's a lot of these very wealthy connected people that are using legitimate business fronts as cover and are running trafficking operations of children and, and, and who knows what else. I mean, I know that Epstein has ties to the CIA and, and has ties early on too, like in the, in the eighties um, and early nineties to Yugoslavia and, and Les Wexner's connections through Southern air transport, which is like a large, which is air America, which is the, the CIA's trafficking fleet of, of airplanes. So you've got connect, you know, a lot of connections to guys with airplanes too. Epstein, mm-hmm. Nygaard, they all have these same 727 type airplanes that deploy the rear staircase at low altitude that you can throw things out of. So <laughs> there's some really, there's some really sketchy stuff going on that I think Epstein is maybe just the tip of the iceberg. I don't know if, you know, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how, how far down this thing goes, but, but, but people like Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, in, in one of the things you, you and I are going to talk, we're going to talk about tonight. Cause you mentioned it in the intro was the, is the great reset. Yes. And if we make a, a, an interesting transition here, you know, or we, we're starting to know Ghislaine Maxwell was running this operation with Jeffrey Epstein and, and she's a very dangerous character. Well, her sister, um, she has two twin sisters, Isabel and Christine Maxwell. They're very involved in technology. And Isabel Maxwell is running the technology arm of the fourth industrial uh, fourth industrial revolution, the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. The technology arm of that is being run by Ghislaine Maxwell's sister. So Wow. So if people are like, well, what is this great reset? It sounds interesting. I mean, is this something we should be happy about? Is it something we should be nervous about? What do you think? It's like, well, I'll put it to you this way. The technology arm of it, which is by all accounts, the biggest part of it is being run by Ghislaine Maxwell's sister. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's a good place to start. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh my goodness. So let's, let's dig deeper into the great reset, man. I want let's your opinions on that. So are, are we looking at um, the final stage of the American empire? Where, where, where does this wind up where, where are we going you know we jeff and i wrote about that in in the book we were talking about the end of the american empire and the thing is that when you've got a current when you've got the uh, like a uh, you're in a current system or paradigm or whatever and they start conceptualizing this fourth industrial revolution, this new version of reality that they want to build, which is going to be AI and supercomputers and universal basic income and self-driving cars and, and, and micro apartments. And, um, you, you're never, you're not going to own anything, but you'll never be happier. The, this sort of dystopian dressed, I don't know, um, futuristic, smart city. They'll use names like smart city. So when you're developing this whole paradigm and trying to get society to transition from one reality to this new one, it's much easier to sell your new version of reality if you totally destroy the current version. You know, it's it's like when as an example, like I was talking about when I was trying to 
talk about the the book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. We we hadn't quite finished it yet, but I was in Mexico in February and I was talking about it during my presentation. I was explaining it. And people didn't really, you know, they thought, well, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll happen, maybe not. When we put the book out in October, it was like, oh, obviously it's it's gonna happen. So like with this great reset, if you propose the great reset in 2018, people go, eh, I don't know. Sounds neat. You know, the, the self-driving cars part, universal basic income, money for free like that, that could work, but, uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's coming, but, uh, I can, I'm fine. I don't really, you know, I can take it or leave it. But if you roll that out in 2021 and beyond, after you just spent the the last year, 2020, destroying society, you know, now you've got a much better sales pitch. So 2020 and the destruction that we have been going through and the continued destruction that will come because of this coronavirus situation that is being amplified and used to do, to put in any one of these maniacs, fantasies in motion, you know, under the guise of coronavirus, you know, what we're living through is, is they're gutting society right now. And then saying, look at this great reset. Isn't this, isn't this wonderful? Come on over. And now you're going, well, shit, it's true. I mean, it looks better than what we've currently got, you know? And so that's the problem is that they needed to really screw things up in order for you to be so miserable in your current situation that you would be willing to leave and go to their great reset. You don't want to do the great reset. It's not, it's not good for you. This is, this is going back to the Kings and the serfs. This is the feudal society. This is no bueno. You never get to leave self-driving cars. Isn't this great until your self-driving car will not allow you to leave certain areas until your universal basic income that you're expecting to get is tied into mandatory vaccinations for you to be compliant and have a, a, a social credit score that it's, that is in the right range, you know, and that means you can't be criticizing the government on Twitter or watching the wrong shows on YouTube or, you know, watching the wrong documentaries on on Netflix or something. You know what I mean? So, so the, this version of reality, they're going to, they're going to try and lure you in with, Oh, isn't this great? This glossy advertisement for the great reset. It, it, it's, it, 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 I imagine there was a similar sales pitch for communism too. Look at all this wheat we're going to have. You won't even have to work as hard because everyone will be working. And if everybody works, then we only have to work this much instead of this much, you know, I can imagine a bunch of people going, yeah, it does sound good. And then you get no food and Soviet era style, gray, depressing buildings that all look exactly the same and bread lines and babushkas in that image in your head. And you go, oh my God, this sucks. Why would anyone want this? That's what we're getting. We're the sales pitch for the great reset is just, it's just a gigantic lie. And it's designed to get us to sign over into some new version, some technological version of communism where everything is monitored. Mm -hmm. You're monitored, physically monitored. 
monitored online, monitored internally through the vaccines and the chips that are in your body. Right. You can't get away from anything. You can't leave the play. You are part of this society and you are stuck there. And if you do not do the things you are supposed to do, or if you start saying things you're not supposed to say, they have ways to make you get in line. And so it's, it's, it's diabolical and yet it's happening right in front of our eyes. And so it's, it's just one of those things that people probably don't assume the worst when they see it or, or maybe, you know, maybe I am just assuming the worst, but I assure you, I'm only assuming it because of the characters involved in this operation. These are the least trustworthy people on the planet. You know, yes. you're talking about the big banks and big pharma and the government and the military industrial complex and Silicon Valley and the Vatican and maniacs, power hungry, psychopathic, crazed industries, all working together to enslave humanity under the, under this, under the pretext as usual of saving it, of saving the planet. They think that they're saving, they're going to talk about saving the planet. Right. And so it is, <laughs> and when we calmly, I mean, I guess as calmly as I can be, uh, try to explain this to someone, they look at us like we're crazy, but so it's like it's in their writing. It's, it's in, it's in their build that build back better that Joe Biden keeps talking about. That's from the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is the the organization that is proposing the Great Reset. Mm -hmm. The World Economic Forum is a non-governmental organization. It's like a a group. It's like a think tank type thing. It's in Davos, Switzerland. That's where they hold their sessions. The World Economic Forum isn't necessarily evil. I mean, it, it, it... in theory, it's just a meeting of a bunch of people. But the problem is that they, these are the people that, that have ideas on can, of running the world in the, and, and that they think that if someone's got to do it, it should probably be them because they're very smart and they've managed to figure out how to get rich and how to get powerful and how to get important. <laughs> so they're more qualified to figure out how to run the world than some guy that, you know, puts on brake pads for a living. And, and you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe they are more qualified, but the problem is they, the problem is how they view us and they view us as insects, uh, as people taking up space on their planet. Uh, if if they even think of us as people at all. So that's really the problem. You, you start to drift into the underlying theme of the World Economic Forum, which is a commitment to depopulation. And that is that gets you eye rolls whenever you bring that up because everyone will stay with you. They'll stay with you through the World Economic Forum part because you know they do have a website and Klaus Schwab's a real person and you know he does do these speeches and you've heard of Davos and you know that's real. So they're you know they'll hang with you there. But then once you once you talk about the Great Reset and say that it is a cover for a depopulation agenda, you. You know, I mean, unsurprisingly, I, I, I lose people there, but 
they just need to take a look and see what's really going on. Because I assure you, unfortunately, I'm right on this one. There's some people that are involved with them that like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that are their that their main purpose for operating is to depopulate the planet. Right. Right. And that is, and when you know, and once you start talking about stuff like that, you get into, you know, you now you're in like a heavy duty, like serious conversation. And I like that, you know, I like to joke about this stuff as much as I can, you know, obviously I take it seriously, but I try to like, you know, find the humor in it. But when you start, but when you get into where these guys are going, it takes a very serious turn because it's more, it's not like it's just like you and me bullshitting down at the bar saying, Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could, uh, you know, kill all these people? We're not going to do anything about it. Even if we wanted to, we we're not, we don't have the ability to do it. But when these people get together and start talking about this stuff, what sets them apart is that they do have the ability to do something do. about it. Right. They have right. they have the very real ability to put policies in place and make it look like their depopulation effort isn't even a depopulation effort. You know, they can impose sanctions, cut off water, cut off food, and then look what's happening in Yemen. There's a depopulation agenda going on there too. So all, and everybody knows about it and it could be fixed And the world economic forum could go over there. If they wanted to save humanity, they could start by saving Yemen. They've got all this money. They could go. They're not doing that because this is, there's, there's a much bigger play going on here. And, and the world economic forum is, is heavily involved in this in conjunction with the United nations and with the bill and Melinda Gates foundation and, and, and government, some governments around the world. So, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a major operation and it sounds all conspiratorial and woo woo and crazy. And Alex Jones in the bushes and, you know, Bohemian Grove and everything, except that, except that, you know, they film these things, they film their event 201 presentation in October of 2019, where they simulated the outbreak of a coronavirus and what it would do, where it would start in their theoretical simulation, which they brought in Johns Hopkins Medical Center and the CIA and uh, logistics companies and all kinds of strange people, um, big pharma, they had all of them a part of this event 201 simulation where they role played months before it actually happened, the release of a coronavirus in a large city that spread worldwide and infected uh, you know, millions and cl- destroyed the economy and closed everything down and stopped air travel and created all this chaos, you know, and they, they simulated this in advance of it happening. And then it happened just the way they simulated it. So excuse me, if I have questions about this, you know, there are a lot of us that are, that are paying attention to this are going, this seems like a remarkable coincidence. Yeah. Please explain it. You know, it, right. And, and, and where most people would go, oh, that's just, you guys just sound crazy doing that. You, you, you then just, all you have to say is it's on video. This event 201 simulation thing that I'm talking about is on video. You can watch it. It's like many hours long. It's not secret. It's not, I didn't make it up, but we're not pretending it's, it exists. It's, they filmed it. 
<laughs> you know, like they, they said here, this is what we're doing. So, you know, this in the world economic forum is behind it. So, so when people are, are, are talking about saying, why well, have real questions about this great reset fourth industrial revolution that the world economic forum is proposing, because isn't it interesting that in order for this to even be a viable option, you have to destroy the current system as it stands. Mm -hmm. And you guys happen to be involved in role playing an event that did just that, that destroyed the system. So forgive us conspiracy theorists here. If we have questions about the connections here, because they're pretty fucking obvious, you know, and the fact that people aren't getting more upset about this, I think is, is kind of troubling because very troubling. Th these things are there and right. I, you know, and, 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 and we need to have the conversation because we're being led someplace. Now, listen, I, I'm not trying to say that the coronavirus situation wasn't a real virus, that it didn't really kill people. Uh, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just, what I am saying is that, um, the media played a role in making it a bigger deal than it actually was. And mm -hmm. there was a whole lot of foreknowledge like a lot of foreknowledge mm -hmm. and Bill Gates was one of the guys that was involved in some of that foreknowledge too. So, so there's, there's a lot, if, if you, if you took a look at all of the bad guys in this and, and made it like circles, it would be like a Venn diagram. There's some overlapping here, you know, with like Bill Gates, the world economic forum, you know, and, and, and the vaccine companies and, you know, Bill Gates is, He's in the World Economic Forum, but he's also part owner of these vaccine companies and the media. You know, so there's there's a lot of connections here that um, people don't really know right off the bat. But uh, if you if if someone takes about five minutes to understand the World Economic Forum and the relationship of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and then that relationship to the pharmaceutical industry you start to see that these guys that pretend that they're, they're just being philanthropists are, are actually standing to make um, hundreds of billions of dollars off of this. Wow. And, 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 and so when I, when I, and, and others, you know, talk about getting to the bottom of who Bill Gates is, you know, it, I think it's important for people to realize that like, you know, a guy like that and he, he starts this philanthropy, philanthropy uh, business in 99, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. And you go, well, that's neat. He's putting his money and he's doing good things. Well, it's like, well, well, who is he? Where does he come from? Well, Bill Gates senior, his father um, was the head of Planned Parenthood, took over for Margaret Sanger, who founded it. Margaret Sanger was a notorious racist who started Planned Parenthood to get rid of the quote Negro population or uh, Negro problem that she she as she described it. So it's like that's where his dad is starting from, <laughs> which is not a good place to start from. Right. And so you have to wonder, and 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 to be clear and fair, it's it's speculation on my my part, but, but look, if your dad is coming out of that line of work, how, how does Bill Gates jr, the one that we know, um, how does he view the world? You know, it, clearly he views it, that, that vaccines are a huge component of this. He's been very much involved in that. And there's questions about the vaccine. So then you dig into the, 
the history of of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and their work with vaccines in foreign countries. And what you find is that it's really bad, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. half a million sick kids in India and, you know, and getting thrown out of places like that and having ties to 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 some really bad products and some really bad reactions and a lot of deaths. So, you know, there there's. No, now if that just happens in and of itself, you go, well, maybe that's just bad luck. But then once you realize that this is a guy that talked about, if we do a good job with our vaccine programs, we can lower that number, meaning the, the world's population, the number that was behind his shoulders on the screen behind him. If we do a good job with our vaccine program, uh, we can lower that number by about 10 to 15%. So I asked the question, if vaccines are so helpful and, and, and help you live a longer life. Shouldn't it make that number go up by 10 or 15% meaning keep more people on the planet as opposed to removing a billion people from the planet. So what's in the vaccines bill. And well, I'll tell you what's in the vaccines, the world health organization who has been leading this Corona, uh, charge has been, you know, one of the main sources of information on it. Well, they have a pretty awful track record themselves they were busted putting sterilants in the tetanus vaccines that they distributed through Kenya. Now they denied it at first, but they later admitted that they had been doing it and then went on to further clarify that they had been doing it for 10 years. So the world health organization admits to putting sterilants in the vaccines. They've admitted to it. They got busted doing it. Bill Gates gives a Ted talk where he says, if they do a good job with their vaccination program, they'll lower the world's population by about a billion people. So forgive me if I have questions about there being sterilants in the COVID-19 vaccine that Bill Gates is pushing with the world health organization, because these are two or two people that have been busted with sterilants in their vaccines in the past. So it is, it is reasonable for me to have questions about their involvement in a new vaccine here in the United States. And if you think it can't happen, it's, it's happened in the United States before we had the Tuskegee airmen. We've, we've done unspeakable things to our own people. So it's, 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 you know, we're, we're, everybody's being made to be fearful of everything, you know, and when you're fearful, you, make, you know, fight or flight decisions, or, you know, you make short-term decisions at the expense of long-term thinking because you're scared and you, you know, and so maybe you get scared into taking one of these new vaccines because you just are scared and you don't want to be scared anymore. And you take one of these vaccines, like now, what have you done? You know? So, so the, so it's, I feel like it's an important conversation for people to have about the vaccines. Um, right now, because so many people are, are trying making their decision about wanting to take them from a place of fear. And that's just a bad, bad place to make any decisions. Really? That, that Bill Gates is some character, man. He is is something else. I tell you, in fact, I I just read today that he is now the largest farmland owner in the United States. I think that came out uh, either yesterday or today, but I, I saw it for the first time today. And then just touching back on the vaccines, I think I read something. I, I don't keep up with like too much of the politics of things, right? So it's, I mean, I, I 
educate myself on just enough to know what's going on. And I did see that Biden allegedly has this plan to roll out 100 million vaccines in, I don't know, his first 90 days in office or something like mm. that. You know, um, that that should be interesting. It's unfortunate. Uh, just evil, you know, that, you know, just going going back to what you said about the sterilants in there and God knows what else. I mean, yeah. Goodness gracious. Well, I'll tell you one more thing about Bill Gates, but it has to do with you mentioned the the article that came out saying that he was he's now the largest owner of farmland. Um, he he I think he's pared back his holdings in Monsanto a little bit. But at one point, he was the largest individual shareholder of Monsanto. And Monsanto is the creator of genetically modified organisms, GMO uh, seeds. One one of the things, and I just, I have a new uh, episode that I I haven't put out yet, but I've recorded it for my podcast, Macroaggressions, um, that is about um, Bill Gates' involvement in the Norway seed vault. He, uh, they built this seed vault about eight years ago or so, uh, way up in in Norway in this, like up on the top of a cliff in this, on this Island, you know, and then he buried like 300 feet into this mountain and they built this bunker and they moved like millions and millions and millions of, of actual organic seeds there and they've stored them hmm. and bill gates paid for it hmm. uh in in with monsanto and syngenta and the government of norway wow and so he's selling you know monsanto is selling and he's investing in them um GMO seeds everywhere, but then they've got the real seeds and they've hidden them away literally in some evil villain bunker up in the, like up on the mountains and the snowy cliff, like 1100 kilometers, uh, from the North pole. Like <laughs> it's just insane, man. That's Bill Gates. He's into all that stuff. Jeez. Jeez. He's a psychopath. He, he, he has, is. he has ideas for this planet and it involves all of us vanishing from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really weird, man. It's there's something that happens when you get like, when you have all the money to buy everything in, you've ever wanted you and it doesn't do it for you anymore. I guess you just go looking to go buy things that aren't for sale or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like when you were talking earlier, I was asking myself like, these elites, these Illuminati guys, obviously Gates included, like what, not necessarily what's their end game, but why do they just not have anything to do anymore? And they, this is just another sick psychotic game. Do they view it as a game? Like what? what? Like, it, I don't know. It, it, you know, in, in America, you, you saw like in the, mid 1800 mid the late 1800s and early 1900s a lot of money uh from the rockefellers and carnegies going into creating the compulsory schooling system and everyone's like oh isn't that great and they're like philanthropists you know like funding these schools and making these schools but what they were doing was they were they they, they had so much money 
that they had bought everything that they could buy. They, they wanted to shape society. They wanted to turn, they decided that, you know what, let's do this. Let's, yes, we can build more factories and we will. Let's, let's get control of the schools and let's make it so that kids go to school and they come out like we don't even have to train them. They're just perfect for our factories. So what do we do? We make compulsory schooling. We put all the desks in like single file rows to make it look like a factory. We have the bell ring when the class ends. We have the bell ring at the end of the day. So it mimics this factory feel. And then we give them like a very limited education, one that just sort of gives them like only a slight idea of the possibilities. And maybe we don't teach them jack shit about how money works, you know, and we just give, we give them just like barely just enough as George Carlin says, make them just smart enough to learn how to work the machines, but just dumb enough to never figure out how badly they're getting screwed. And that was what they did. So they, they built these schools in order to turn out mediocre people that would go to work in their factories and that's and so you asked like what are what do these guys want? Like they they want to shape society. You know, they want what is what does a, a Jeff Bezos want? He wants to shape society so that you only think of buying things online. You would never cross your mind to walk into an actual store. Or if there is an actual store, then fine. He'll just take that over and just yeah. that. And, and then you know what I mean? So so you know, these guys want to, um, I mean, look how many of them profited from through the pandemic, you know, it's insane. The amount of money that was being made by these guys, these guys have a seat at the table, you know, guys like Elon Musk and, and, and Jeff Bezos and, and Sundar Pichai's and, and, you know, Eric Schmitz and all that, these guys, this is the new royalty, you know, they have a lot of money and with, and they're just starting to figure out their power. So, so this is where it's headed and you see this, uh, fourth industrial revolution and the hard push into technology. And we're making these guys the most powerful people on the planet. You know, these guys that have, they have, they have, wisely and correctly uh, figured out that data is, is now more valuable than oil. And so they're in the new gold rush, you know, the new oil rush, they're the new, it's the data rush. And so that, so oh, those, the, you know, when that the created the Rockefellers and, you know, and the, you know, Carnegie's and Vanderbilt's and all that, we're, we're creating this new generation of these people and we're just hoping that they don't turn out to be psychopathic maniacs. And of course that's a, (laughs) that's, that's a good luck because there's something about having all this money that makes people, you know, go off the rails and start, you know, wanting to change society. And, 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 and we see that with Bill Gates too. I mean, he's do he's, he's literally doing the same thing yeah. with common core. He's taking over the school system. And that's mm-hmm. common core is his baby. He financed yeah. that. So it's like, you know, you can, they're already doing it. We, we see, it's just like, who has a better PR guy? 
Cause like <laughs> Elon Musk has a pretty good PR guy. Cause people think he's really cool, but he could very easily be just as bad as Bill Gates. He's, he's oh, got yeah. more money than him now. Right. 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 So right. goodness gracious, Charlie, what, what are your thoughts on Q? Oh, Q- or legit or what? Well, look, I, I, I appreciated the fact that that the this Q movement was waking people up to the lies of of government. I appreciated that. I liked that part of it. I didn't like that immediately they were funneled over to the Republican side of things because they were, you know, and then it was like, hey, go go trust the plan over there. Go stand there and wait and trust the plan. I didn't like that. I, so so I never I never associated with it because of that. I, 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 you know, look, it, it uh, round up the pedos, drain the swamp, arrest all these people. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah. I want all that stuff. I would love for that stuff to be true. I would love for it to be true because it would mean that things were going to change and things desperately need to change. Um, Politicians need to be held accountable. Big time, you know, corporate people need to be held accountable. They need to feel like maybe not in fear of the people, but they need to at least know that there could be repercussions for their actions. And right now, I, f- I think that our government it feels like there's no repercussions for anything they do. So they, 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 and they behave that way. So, you know, I, I, the, the concepts that Q was talking about that were coming, love it. Right. I, I want all those things to happen, but it's like, at some point you got to show me, man, you got to show me, homie, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to show me Hillary Clinton in handcuffs, right? being right. perp walked, man. I like it because otherwise it just goes on and on and trusting and trusting and trusting. And then Trump get, goes out of office and then they go, well, it was coming, but then these, then the rig, you know, like, I, I'm sorry, I need it. I, you, if it's, if the arrests are coming, if they've expanded Guantanamo Bay and all that shit, show me, I need to see it with my own eyeballs. And even no then mean. I might not believe it, but you know what I mean? So <laughs> So it all sounded good. It 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 sounded, you know, and if those things happened that we would the the country would be so much better off if if there was actual accountability and the swamp was getting drained, but you know what I saw? I saw Elliot Abrams and John Bolton getting jobs under the Trump administration. And if those guys aren't in the swamp, uh I then I don't know who is because right. they're the worst people in the world. So when when the Q guys were talking about he's draining the swamp, I was going, that's straight up bullshit because he just gave John Bolton a job and Elliot Abrams, who is literally a regime change guy, and they put him on Venezuela and said, go, you know, go turn that into a failed state. So, you know, that, that so it's hard, you know, it was hard for me to, to ever say, oh, I believe in that stuff. Um but look, and, and so there were so many, I was very clear that I, I thought the Q stuff was, was nonsense, but I also said that I would happily eat my words if it, it you know, if it turned out that they did round up all the pedos or anything, I would, I would gladly do that. I would gladly say how wrong I was because that would mean that all those great things had happened. So uh, listen, 
I want, I want it. I want it to be real. Sounds sounded great, but I I'm, I'm, I've been, I don't know, maybe I've been doing this too long or, or, you know, writing about this stuff, but I just don't ever trust government plans. You know, I don't ever trust shit like that. I, I I just need to see it. You know, this whole, Oh, double secret, super on the down low. These things are in, in, you know, happening. It's like, mm -mm, no, no, no. I need, I need, I need not on the down low. I need right on front street. I need to see what you're talking about. I need a rest, uh, not, not, numbered Swiss bank accounts being turned off or any, no, no, no. I need people in orange jumpsuits being indicted and shit like that. You know what I mean? And, and in the absence of that, like, I'm going to just have to say, I don't, I I don't buy it, but man, I, I would have, I would have gladly eaten my words because, you know, the things that they were saying sounded, uh, you know, they sounded, they, they appealed to a lot of people because, a lot of people are good. You know, there, there's a lot of good people out there and they want all the, the mess cleaned up. Yes. And so they're not coming from, I didn't, I never viewed the Q people as coming from like a crazy place or, or, or a bad place or a white supremacy player or any of that stuff. They, 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 the people that were in, in that Q camp to me were the people that wanted things to get better. They just believed that the people that were telling them this stuff were going to actually do it. Whereas a lot of us just don't trust those people because we, we've just seen that get manipulated so many times before. So anyway, I, you know, I, for, but I, but I'll tell you what, the, the whole, you know, the crowd, the, the people that are, were in the, the Q group, I'm not talking about the leaders. I'm talking about the people that were, you know, followers for lack of a better word, like, you know, you're awake now you're awake to a lot of this. You're actually even awake to how your side can get manipulated. Like use this as a learning experience and, 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 and realize like shit, the people that are running these operations, they're real smart, man. They're real good. They know what they're doing. They know how to manipulate large amounts of people. And there's some technology being used that we, (laughs) you know, we're at a severe disadvantage here. Like, just admit you were, you got duped, but you got duped by some dudes that are really good at doing it. So there's no shame in that, but let's wake up and let's all kind of come together and realize that the problem isn't, uh, you know, the Democrats or the, you know, the, the, the left, you know, the lefties in California or in New York city or the, you know, the Republicans in Nebraska or anything. No, no, no. We are, we all have one thing in common. <laughs> we are getting extraordinarily screwed by our government. We need to focus on them first before we worry about our differences. Because I, I promise you, if we get rid of the, 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 the people running our government that are screwing it up so badly, our little differences that we have, we won't even care about them anymore. We'll just be so be in such a better place, but we've got to, we've got to come. I don't mean that we all have to come hug each other or anything. We can go back to hating each other later, but for, for the time being right now, we, the people of America left, right, red team, blue team, I don't know, libertarians, everybody, 
We have to f- come together and, and, and make sure that we don't allow those maniacs running our government to push us around with the crazy stuff that they want us to do. Right. We need to remember that we have the numbers and that we say, no, no, we're not doing that. Oh, well, we're not going to let you do this. Or we're not going to let you do or You're going to have to close your shops. No, 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 no. Stop. You work for us. You know, like, let's make this clear. And if we collectively do that, which I, I granted is damn near impossible to get us all to agree to, to anything. But if we could find a way to somehow come together and, and tell, and let them know that we're not tolerating their bullshit anymore, it, things will get a whole lot better, but we, yes. we have to, we have to recognize that we are intentionally being divided into these smaller and smaller groups. And I get it, man. I go on Twitter too and argue with morons you know i i fall into it it's easy to do but like we if if we are you know united in this one thing this coming together to to make sure that we tell the government they can't push us around anymore uh, if we can come together on this one thing we don't have to come together on all the other stuff it'll just it just will seem so much it'll just seem so insignificant you know fine do whatever you want to do Everything will be better if the government is is not fearful of the people, but aware of the people. And right now, they're not aware of us. I mean, they see us only as like an, as something to be avoided or stepped over or stomped on or whatever. But if they ever get to the point where they view us as being their bosses, then things will change, and that's where we need to to be. And and. Uh, and, and and the people that are running the show and running these world economic forums and things like that, they, they benefit from us never figuring any of that out. They benefit yeah. from us fighting each other about, you know, you're not wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean? It's almost like their plan played out perfectly for them in 2020, right? You had the, the racial thing going on. You had the Democrat versus Republican thing going on. You had the, is COVID real or not? You're going to wear a mask or not? Where, like you said, the focus, the people have the power and our focus should be, look, they're playing both sides here. They're yeah. creating all this chaos and confusion. Let's team up. Let's come together and fight this machine, right? Yeah. And now here we are with this new regime going into 2021. Well, we're here actually. Now they're trying to take away our guns. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to freaking vaccinate everybody, and it's like, people, come on, come on, what's up? <laughs> they're, they're in a and they're in a rush to do it too. Before we figure it out, they want everybody vaccinated as quick as possible, and they don't want you talking about it online. They're gonna ban you uh, if you're talking. If you're not talking about approved things, you, we're gonna take your video off of YouTube, and you know, I mean, this is this is serious like a, it's the digital book burning. You know, they're, they're getting rid of information that doesn't, that doesn't fit with their narrative. And that is, that should be alarming to people because, um, you know, it never goes well when, when, when empires try to limit your knowledge, you know, it's because they want to keep you in the dark about about some things, usually the shit that they've been doing. So, so it's, you know, it's just important for us to, um, it's important for us to just have these crazy conversations about this stuff because 
you know, you're not going to hear it on your nightly news. You you never will because they control that. So for those people that that feel like, well, if I don't, you know, if I don't hear it on my nightly news, then it's not real. You know, they're going to be like surprised when all of this stuff is at their doorstep. You know, they won't have been paying attention. So it, you know, just the more people that we can um, talk to about this, the better off we'll be. You know, the it, it's about being aware of where this whole thing is headed. Because if you're aware of where it's headed and it's headed in a dark place, you can make some noise. You can try to change course. You can try to get people uh, involved so that they're, you know, so that you can make sure this doesn't happen. Because I'll tell you, this great reset that they're talking about is it's not, it's, it, it, it might be great for them, but it will be hellish for us. And, um, yeah. and they don't care. You know, so, so we, we, we sort of owe it to ourselves or we owe it to the future generations that we're, we're before it has happened. We're still at a position right now where we can do something about it. So we should, uh, you know, we should take advantage of our opportunity and, and do something about it because if we just allow it to, if them to steamroll us and, and, and bring in this fourth industrial revolution. It is, uh, you know, all those science fiction dystopian movies that they pre-programmed us to, you know, think was a possibility. Those are going to be looking like very real, you know, unfortunately. And and I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but it's just, it's that they write about it, you know, and, and that that's concerning to me that, that, uh, that we're we're certainly headed in a in a direction that is like straight out of a Philip K. Dick book, and that's although it might be a fun movie to watch, it's it won't be a good thing for us to be living through. We don't need to live through that, Charlie. Before we uh, before we get out of here, man, I can't let you go without at least bringing up uh, Project Bluebeam, my friend. So from from what I know about it, from what I've read, I should say it's something that put together by NASA and the United Nations to uh, project the coming of the Christ. What can you tell me about it? Yeah, man, this is really trippy technology that our government and, and, and some private businesses uh, have. And So there's there's stories of this happen of of these government agencies do, using this technology, um, with um, in a couple different instances. One was before the um, first Iraq War. The troops in Iraq were softened up by this uh, vocal technology that was being used to like they were they were uh, firing like into their brains of, of where all the troops were telling them to like lay down their weapons that do it for Allah and things like that. And when they rolled in, they found that a lot of those troops just threw their guns down and just arms up. And that was, and part of it was that they were, they were using this crazy technology then when the second Iraq war happened, you hear of um, 
God, I, I want to say Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, but I'm not sure if it was him. One of the make-believe terrorists, I don't know, one of the guys that 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 our government thinks is like a big terrorist mastermind. I can't remember. might have been Abu Zubaydah. One of those guys was in his prison cell, and they made it appear that Allah visited him in his prison cell in the middle of the night and told him to tell them everything to that that it is what he wanted and whatever i don't so there's there is um a history of our government our military using this technology on prisoners (laughs) or uh, enemy combatants so with that in mind project Bluebeam has the ability to go a couple different ways there is the ability for them to project uh, something with a religious overtone to it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and 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 make it look like somebody is in the sky, and yeah. um, or you can use this technology to make it look like there are UFOs, or you know many ufos or one gigantic ufo i don't know whatever so you've got the ability to use this technology um to make it look like something is happening that isn't actually happening now you can find examples of some of this commercial grade uh technology if you if you find a video on youtube by a company called magic leap uh of a humpback whale jumping out of a studio you'll find it's it's like a high school gymnasium basketball court and they've set up this technology around it and they get all the kids that that are sitting in the stands and they're looking at this wooden you know normal basketball court and then just out of nowhere a huge humpback whale jumps up land looks like it's going to land on the crowd and splashes water all over everybody and you see the reaction of the kids it's right in front of their face it is literally not happening so that's technology that we saw 10 years ago on a commercial level 10 years ago (laughs) we don't know what they've got right you know (laughs) and 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 then you hear oh god you hear these stories of werner von braun who was the famous uh ss nazi scientist who was instrumental in starting nasa um on his deathbed allegedly told his um secretary or whatever she was um, about what was going to happen. And he said that they plan to fake an alien invasion um, after using the threat of terrorism and bio um, bio terror or something. Um, they, the, the final card that they would play would be the fake alien invasion. And he told her, you know, tell everyone don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. So, so, you know, he would That's know. It. He'd know That's a little it. bit. He'd he'd be in the conversation yeah. at least on some level. And That's been in the news a, a bit lately too. At least over the last six to eight months regarding a uh, disclosure. Mm-hmm. So that, that aligns, right? It, it you know it could be something there. Huh. I feel like it, you can you can feel them sort of like planting the seeds. You know, obviously there's always been talk of aliens, but but um, now you start to have like the to the stars Academy talking about it with Tom DeLonge and Lou Elizondo 
CIA, you know, I mean, it, it's so you, it's to me, it's so obvious what's happening. This fake, you know, setup. I mean, there's just too many guys <laughs> with CIA ties for, for my liking when it's, when it comes to alien UFO disclosure, it's like, you know, I want disclosure. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't really want it coming from the CIA. Just don't, don't really believe it when it comes from the CIA. So, um, and, and want- that's where we are. And so then we've got the, I, we've got, uh, you know, we see how easily manipulated we are with stuff like coronavirus, and uh, when, when the media gets a hold of it and makes everybody uh, crazy, you can extrapolate out what what the media would do if it was a fake alien invasion. But but you know what I mean. I mean just oh, so. <laughs> So we we have that to look forward to. At least, at least it was like, well, 2020 sucked. It's like, well, at least there wasn't a fake alien invasion because that would just, that would have just done me right in. Yeah. All right. Hey, I want to do something a bit different here on the Hidden Hidden Gateway podcast and that I uh, have never done before. I want to throw a couple words at you. And if you could just give me your thoughts, just a brief synopsis, if you will. Uh, I'm just curious to know. So, uh, right. First one is U.S. Capitol breach. Oh, it's totally staged, man. That looks so fake to me. You know what it reminded me of when I saw that dude with the with the horns and the face paint and everything? It reminded me of Carlos Arredondo, the, <laughs> the guy from the Boston Marathon with the cowboy hat and the American flag who was wheeling out Jeff Bowman who was bleeding and it was just all staged and it looked like total action shots. And when I saw that dude who was hanging off of like the balcony and then the other guy sitting in the chair and then the guy's coming down the hall, I was like, this is so staged. Mm-hmm. This looks too, this looks fake to me. Yeah. And then you now, I don't know. I mean, now I'm starting to, I saw a video of all, you know, of, of them walking through you know, the video of it and him at, and the security guards going, please don't sit. Th- I don't, the whole thing looks fake to me. Yeah. Funny uh, thing. I don't know what oh, in, 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 in that, but that aside, uh-huh. oh, oh, it's the new nine 11. Stop that. <laughs> Just you stop. Yeah. Oh, new nine 11. Oh, no, it is not. It is a bunch of drunk people that they went through. Like you could see the security camera. Look, I'm not trying to excuse what they did, but I am also not, going to pretend like it was a, an insurrection either they went through like you know where the the poles with the the velvet ropes like the guiding them through they went through and followed the velvet ropes i mean like they i, I fully expected them to like go through the gift shop and buy something on the way out you know it, it just the, the whole thing looked it was just preposterous to me but but you know what? Also, also kind of fitting, you know, just kind of a nice way to, to, to wrap things up with just the, just the most cartoonish takeover ever by a guy in a Viking helmet. I mean, the whole thing is just fantastic. Man, the guy in the Viking helmet. He's from Phoenix. Funny story. I actually saw that guy last year in the summertime, standing in the middle of traffic with the Viking hat on. And a cardboard sign that said Q and start to, and it, the sign said something in regards to pedophiles in, in Q. And he was dancing and walking back and forth. And I took a picture of the guy. 
sent it to a few friends, and I posted on uh, my uh, one of my social media accounts. Yeah, and it was my phone. I cannot freaking find that picture now, man. Oh it's no, not, it's no longer on my freaking Instagram. I'm like, what happened to the picture? I'm like, well, that, it's weird. Like, what happened to my picture, man? Because I had well, saw it. Well, I, I I at least will now give him credit for being consistent with his his Viking helmet. At least I know it's not just a prop for that uh, particular photo op. And I was with my wife. It was like a early Saturday or Sunday morning. We went to get some coffee, man, coffee bean or something. And here this guy is in the middle of traffic with this cardboard side and his Viking helmet and outfit on, just <laughs> Trump trancing back and forth. It's like, oh my god, it's like. We got to get a picture of that guy. I cannot That's freaking fantastic. find a Oh, my goodness. Anyway, man. Next, Hillary Clinton. Oh, one of the one of the worst people on the planet, Hillary Clinton. Ugh. She's, uh, oh, I, yeah. It, it, I have, I have no words for that lady. She's, she represent, I mean, from being a, 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 a horrible lawyer, that would represented like a guy that like was a rapist and everything. I mean, I know that lawyers have to do that, but she, to her, all the stories of her behavior in the oval office and look, I'll be honest, who, who, who can, who could probably blame her for wanting to kill Bill Clinton. I think he was a, you know, he was a maniac in his own right. But, but yeah, I just, Hillary Clinton is the worst the worst and to hear her talk and she's got a podcast now. Oh, I just want to vomit. Mandela effect. Ooh, Mandela effect, Mandela effect, man. I'll tell you, I think it's really interesting. I don't pretend to know if it's real or how it works or anything, but I like a good mystery. And, um, and, and, and I have questions about, you know, I have questions about what they're doing with the D wave computers, the, you know, the supercomputers and things like that. I've, I've, um, watched some videos of Jordy Rose, who was the founder of D wave talking about, you know, them opening up a, other dimensions and getting information and, bringing it back into this dimension and things. And I'm fascinated by that. And I don't know, um, the science enough, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I mean. I don't know if anyone knows the science enough, but, uh, so I don't know enough. I don't know if it's how time works. I'm fascinated by that, by the idea and the concept of time or changing something like that. I mean, it's just, it's, I think a lot of people are fascinated by it. They make, they make, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan makes cool movies about stuff like that. People are interested in it, how it all works, man. I'm not, I'm not sure how it all works, but it is such an interesting topic. You know, I could geek out on that. If some, if I had like a good and like a good, um, um, video about that or another topic that I really, and fascinated with is remote viewing, you know, so maybe watching a, a Farsight Institute video on remote viewing where they're looking at, I mean, so I'm, I'm interested in all of that stuff, but I don't, you know, I don't pretend to, to know how it works. I, I just think it's interesting that, that, uh, 
that there's that there's questions about it. You know, are you are you are you familiar with the government uh, using remote viewing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gateway process. Yeah, I, yeah. I uh, came familiar with that uh, last summer. I, I was able to access the, uh, the documents on the CIA website and uh, crazy stuff, man. Yeah, crazy they stuff. and and Stanford's role in that too. Their yeah. Stanford Research Institute is heavily involved with with that. Uh, the The movie "The Men Who Stare at Goats" is based on uh, uh, apparently a true <laughs> apparently a true story. Right. Uh, so it, on on Russell Targ and all those guys over there at SRI that were that we're doing all that interesting stuff. I I'm fascinated by it. I think it's, I think it's, you know, he did, they did some, some crazy tests, um, when they brought in, um, Oh God, what's his name? Um, the OG of it all, uh, to remote view Jupiter in advance of Voyager, uh, one getting to Jupiter. Um, he said, uh, that Jupiter has a, um, a ring and they said it doesn't have a ring. And he said, I don't know what <laughs> he said. you're getting. You're he's like, they said, you're seeing Saturn. He goes, no, I know what Saturn looks like. I'm seeing Jupiter and it has a ring. And they said, well, Jupiter doesn't have a ring. And he said, well, I'm telling you it does. So do with that information, whatever you want. And when Voyager got out there like nine months later, uh, it sure shit. There was a ring oh, and, there's- uh, and he, they're like, Hey, look, there's a ring. He's like, I know. I told you. I wasn't asking you if you thought I was right. I was telling you, I saw it, you know? And so right. there's this, it's, 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 it's interesting how the brain works, you know? And, and I, so I, you know, when I've done these, these presentations at a narcopulco, uh, the last two years, they have like a, 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 a la carte add on item, you know, to, to your experience if you want to do it. And it's like the ayahuasca, you know, they have uh, the ayahuasca night or the DMT night or peyote night or, or whatever. And, um, they have these shaman that come in and, it's like a heavy duty thing, man. It's like nine o'clock at night till like seven o'clock in the morning type of deal. And I've done it. You know, the last couple of times I've been there, I've done the DMT a couple of times and I did the ayahuasca and I did the peyote one all with the same shaman guys. And, um, look, I mean, I, I, and I had had some experiences before that as well. Um, there is another world out there, you know, yeah. there is a world just, you know, we can't see it. Uh, you know, at this very moment, but it is very much there. And so when you know that, when you go and experience and have those sort of psychedelic trips and, 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 and have a situation where you, you, you understand where that place is because you've been there, then, then things like remote viewing, though hard to explain, they seem possible, you know, and when, when they talk about, um, I remember when I did ayahuasca, I was thinking about, they say that there's 125,000 different trees and plants in the Amazon. And that when you take the root from this and you mix it with the leaves from this and you brew it for three days in this certain way and everything, you know, it takes you to this other world. It takes you to this 
dream world, this crazy, trippy, insane dream world. And when you're, when you're there, you can communicate with plants and things like that. And they asked this, the scientists asked these shaman, how did you figure this out? Like how, how is that possible? Or of 125,000 plant possibility. And like, how did you get to that combination? And, and they said, the jungle told us. Right. Right. And, right. and the scientists go, what? Yeah. And I remember being like two cups in to my ayahuasca thinking of that and going, Oh, I totally understand like yeah. why, why someone could say the jungle told us and, and why that, how that could make any sense at all. I get it. I understand. Like in this moment, it, I, I can understand how that would, would happen because I'm experiencing something that is totally magical right now. So if this is happening, what else could happen? And so when you start to see these guys that are doing remote viewing and things like that, and I'm not suggesting that they're on psychedelics, but you just understand that, that we don't even know what's possible for us, you know, for our brains. Like we're, we've got like a, a limiter on us, you know, something's holding us back. Maybe it's ourselves. I don't know, but, but, but something is holding us back because some people can do things and, you know, and some substances take you to this other place that you can't see, you know? So it's, it, you know, I, I, I have been through this journey that I've gone on, uh, especially when I started like the first time I ever did mushrooms and things like that, just completely like as interested as, as I am in all of this and how it all works. Like at the same time, I'm sort of resigned to the fact that I, I don't think I'll, we'll ever figure it out, but, uh, it certainly is fun trying to, uh, you know, trying to think about it, you know, Man. see how it all connects. Yeah. That's so cool, man. I've been actually wanting to try ayahuasca or uh, peyote for, for some time now. In fact, I was supposed to do peyote two weeks ago with a shaman here in Phoenix. I'd had to drive two hours, but it didn't work out, you know, for, for, for certain reasons. So still on my, my journey, I definitely want to want to give it a go. I, 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 I know a few I people suggest that, it. Yeah, yeah, we did it too they had that as a what they called a blue deer ceremony and 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 we did that outside uh we, we at an arcapulco but they took us out to the um golf course where we built like a fire and we were just laid out on on uh towels outside and there were bats flying around and they were and all the we could see bats and there's like a full like a full moon above us and and they had fire and then all the shaman and they were singing and they were telling all these crazy stories getting translated and you know, talking about the story of the blue deer. And we're just like, Whoa, you know what I mean? Like when you're, <laughs> when you're around like a big fire, yeah. like if you just sit, if you're like totally sober sitting, staring at a fire, it's kind of trippy, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you have a head full of peyote and then you've got this shaman who's telling you this really long, intricate story, st- I must have I must have had my mouth open. I was I, I was so blown away. So I highly recommend it. Man. I mean, it's a it's a uh, it's a church here. It's a it's a church here in uh, in Arizona, and they they farm peyote. And you know, you go there for two days, and you know, I think it's like four or five hundred bucks. But they they walk you through the experience, man. But they're they're booked out to like I think November of this year, man. 
but uh, wow. I'm on the waiting list. So it may not, my, my experience may not come till later this year, but Hey, Oh, that's I'm cool though, man. But I, I, I'm in favor of those because it's just, it just, you know, it just opens you up mm-hmm. to the idea of, you know, it, 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 what it really does is it, 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 it reminds you how little, you know, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it just, you, you go, you feel very, it's very humbling. You know, you're like, wow, this is so crazy. And there's so much more out there. And then you're like, oh, but then now I kind of feel like I'm not the center of the universe anymore. And then, oh, how does that make you feel? Well, it probably is good for you that you don't, you know, feel like you're the center of the universe. So um, I always feel very recharged after after those um, sessions. And, and it's just been, the, you know, the last two two times at uh, at Anarchapulco. And it's funny because I tell my wife and she's like, you're, she's like, you're out of your mind. What are you doing with, with, with that stuff? And, and I, I go, well, you know, you, you like to go like, go to a nice resort. You like to go get a spa, right. Or like get a massage or something. I said, I just want to go to like another dimension for a couple yeah. hours. That, wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. No. <laughs> no, no. What was funny though, at Anarchapulco or, 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 I guess interesting to me was like there were in my ayahuasca session, there were 40 people there and the ages were like probably from 20 to there are a cup. There's a couple of them in their seventies wow. that were doing it. So I was like, wonder what that men, is. women probably eat about evenly mixed. Uh, you know, some guys that look like they, you know, were at a grateful dead concert. <laughs> last night and some guys that looked like they worked on wall street, you know, I mean, it's like, it was like a mix of all sorts of different types of people doing it. And it was, um, and it was packed, man. And I mean, and, and every night there's a different ceremony going on and every night it's sold out. Right. Well, Hey, thank you for bringing that up. And that's a perfect segue to my final word for you. It's like, perfect. Couldn't have been any better. Your thoughts on God. On God? God. Just just really quick. Quick synopsis. Oh. First, thing, first thing that comes to you. I tell you, I, it, what, since, you know, doing, I, I, I didn't grow up religious. I'm not, a, I'm not into traditional religion. I, I know that there is something that's very difficult for us to explain. Um, you could call it a God or something like that. I don't, I don't know how it all works. I, I, I have found that, um, you know, I've had, had heard these people talking about it all being a simulation. I wonder about that. I don't know, but what in that simulation scenario, what that what we would consider to be God would be the person sitting at the keyboard. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? So what does that mean? Is there somebody, you know, is there somebody above them then? It's all, it's all so hidden and so impossible to know. Um, you know, and yet then you see like, then you have like a, a kid and you go, Oh, you know, you feel like a God-like connection there, you know? And 
and so I found in my in my particular case, I I'm not a I'm not into traditional religion. I I, I like the idea of trying to figure out how it works. Um, I like the role of psychedelics. Psychedelics have been have been an interesting component of it for me. I don't I don't know if they are for for necessarily everybody, but I think they're they're at least should be considered an option. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm so, I feel so disgusted when I see people acting like you know, the televangelist people that are using God as an excuse to, you know, take money from people. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, it's such a complicated concept, you know, and I was just writing about it too, because I was writing about, a um, a, a story about, um, I was writing a, an article for a guy's book or a chapter for a guy's book on the movie contact. And, uh, because it was supposed to be an alien, uh, it's supposed to be a story about aliens. That's what he wanted in his book. And as I got done writing this, you know, my chapter for it, what I realized was it was a, it was actually a movie about God. You know, it was a, bo- a movie about, you, you know, about your beliefs and, and, and how, uh, you know, science versus religion. And so it, it's, it had, it's had me thinking about it recently. It's funny that you asked that because I normally don't, contemplate God all that often. Um, but I just have been recently and it's because I've been writing about this for the, for this chapter on the, on the contact book. And it's, and it, and and it's this, this battle between like Jodie Foster's character, who's very science-based and, um, Matt McConaughey's character, who's very religion based. And I find myself on the scientific side, but I'm starting to get more of a religious argument. I'm starting to hear more of a religious argument these days. So I would, the, the movie was fascinating for me because it was this, you know, battle between science and religion, which I had always found myself on the side of, of science, but I'm, I'm starting to see that science can be corrupted just as, as easily as religion can be corrupted. And it has been. So I have to leave open the, uh, the, the, you know, I have to leave it open that, um, though I don't trust those religious, you know, the swarmy religious people that are always selling me on eternal heaven and paradise somewhere else. I do like that, you know, I do like the idea of there being a God, you know, I like that, that, that can be comforting, but, uh, I just don't know how it all works. And I don't know if we're meant to figure it out. That's good, man. Thank you. Thank you. I have, uh, one last request for you. Could you sure. please tell our, uh, hidden gateway listeners something that you feel will benefit them, uh, in 2021 and, and beyond. Get your money out of the banks. The money, your money in in a bank account, is technically the possession of the banks. Uh, you are an unsecured creditor of that money. Um. So, be very wary of 
of, you know, of, of keeping your money in a place like that, because you are subject to, you know, anything can happen in a situation like that. And I know it sounds crazy to think that something might happen to your bank account. And I know people will say, well, I have the FDIC bank, you know, insures my account up to $250,000. That is true. They absolutely do. And if your local bank branch manager cleans out the vault and disappears with the money, you will be made whole. No, no problem. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a systemic banking collapse. Right. I'm talking about something devastating. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of things can can cause that. So, um, you know, it can be a computer hack. It can be an EMP that knocks out power. I mean, j- your imagination can go wild. There's a lot of things that could, could play into it. But if you have your money in your bank and you think that it is safe and you think that it is yours and you think that you can just march down there whenever you want and ask the manager to give you all of your money out in cash, you will be you will be alarmed to discover that they will ask you questions about why you want the money. They will tell you things like, well, we don't have that sort of cash on hand anyway. We don't keep that. It's all digital these days. So we don't keep that. So, you know, give me a week or or we, we're not going to give you that out. You watch that happens. So plan ahead, get these things sort of in advance, uh, sorted out. You'll be, you'll be very happy that you did. Uh, and in the event that nothing happens, then nothing happened. Um, I, and I know it sounds like, you know, it's just like so stereotypical, like conspiracy theorists, like get your money out of the bank and put it under your mattress and everything. And I, I get, so I get it. I understand it sounds kind of, kind of silly, but, but, but in all, in all seriousness, be very careful with the banks. They're, they're, um, they're not solvent, you know, um, and they have the ability to collapse and, and part of what Jeff Berwick and I wrote about in our book was talking about taking down the financial system. And that has to do with currency manipulation and things like that. So there's a lot of uh, financial fuckery that happens and will happen with, with this. So just, just try to get yourself out of, out of harm's way as best you can. And that is, that means doing something a little bit inconvenient and a little conspiratorial sounding, which is going down to your bank and getting all your money out of the bank. But you should do that. You really should. You, you, you're better off being the first person to do with that idea than the last person with that idea. Believe me. All right, people, you heard the man, get your money out the bank, do it. All right, man. Hey, Charlie, this was fun, my friend. It was fun, man. If we do, listen, if we don't cut this off, (laughs) my wife will be banging on the door going, you got to get down here. We're out, man. Where where can, where can people find you, man? I know you have a website and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can find my website is the octopus of global control.com. My podcast is called macro aggressions that goes out on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and YouTube and Rockfin and David Icke's video platform called iconic. So you can get that there. Um, Amazon, my book, uh, the controlled demolition of the American empire with Jeff Berwick is available there. Uh, And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at macro aggression 
but uh, I make no representations or promises that my Twitter account will be upstanding when you go there. I have been thrown off already once uh, last year in February of 2020. I expect that will probably happen again at some point. But, uh, you know, listen, I'm there. I'm there for now. So if you want to follow me, I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm at least interesting. I'll, I'll, I will say that much. And they, they can find you on uh, or see you on Prime for Panic, too, right? I listen to a podcast and yep. you're. You on there too, right? Okay. okay. Yep. I, yep. I was in that uh, documentary, uh, Prime for Panic with Richard Willett. And, uh, oh, and I also have a, one of the four guys that does this group show called The Union of the Unwanted with uh, Sam Tripoli and uh, Ricky Verandas from The Ripple Effect and Midnight Mike from OBDM. And we have this crazy roundtable discussion where we invite people on and we, we talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. We had Dr. Judy Mikovits on a couple last well, two weeks ago, and she went on for three hours about vaccines, which was awesome. So we, we, we invite uh, experts in the field and uh, and let them uh, come on and explain uh, how things all work and why we need to do things differently and what the hell's going on. All right, my friend, sounds good. Hey, thanks again, Charlie. Was a, a great show, man. Very interesting, man. You're a, a brilliant mind, man. Thank you oh, so stop. much. Oh, stop. man. But thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's fun to, uh, you know, it's our, it's kind of like our duty or obligation, you know, to talk about this stuff. If we talk about it now, maybe we can make it so that a lot of, a lot of it doesn't happen. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to do that. And, and hopefully your audience, um, hopefully, hopefully I didn't scare your audience and, and that, that you didn't see it as, as necessarily, a bad thing, but this is more an opportunity or a realization that we need to get ourselves together and uh, get this thing turned around if we want to if we want to live in a, a better world. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of the Hidden Gateway Podcast. Until next time, Hidden Gateway out.